KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. So we continue to battle through this COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, it has been a tough road and there's still a lot of road to travel. While you would hope decisions being made in the midst of a pandemic like this would be made based on science, many are concerned politics playing an outsized role as we've gotten some confusing messaging at times from places like the CDC. Want to get a feel for what the world of public health thinks about this, so we reached out to Dr. Risa Jones. She is an associate professor and department chair of epidemiology and biostatistics in the College of Public Health at Temple University. We also talk about the status of the pandemic. Give a listen. So as we are speaking here, the COVID-19 pandemic continues to rage on. Since this really hit all our lives in early to mid-March, how much progress do you feel we've made? You know, I, I think that we are at a point where we know much more than we did nine months ago. I think that more could be done for mitigation strategies and then also containment strategies. I think that as community spread is widespread in multiple states, it's more difficult to do contact tracing. And then because of that, isolating cases and then quarantining people who have been exposed to people who are COVID positive becomes more difficult. You know, I think it's challenging. I think it is also difficult for the U.S. population because it's frustrating. You know, in order to keep us as safe as possible, we really do need to be exercising, you know, physical distancing, wearing masks and the like. And that's difficult for people to accept. And particularly after so many months of it. Yeah, that kind of, uh, we've heard a lot about COVID fatigue. And I think at first you had a lot of people, or I shouldn't say a lot of people, the people that weren't following rules were you know, protesting freedom and stuff. Now, I think you've just had, it's been going on so long, you've got people having fatigue of everything, maybe forgetting some things, getting a little lazy. How do you fight that? You know, I I think that being as open and transparent as possible uh, with people, I think the other way um, to help squash some of that is to just make sure that it's not politicized All of these measures really are for the benefit of each individual and population health, the public's health. And I think doing as much as we can to help orient the conversation toward the whole population and helping others for a lot of people who feel that they're very healthy and that this might not impact them, perhaps pulling on their desires to be good citizens would be helpful in getting them to to wear masks and and distance. You mentioned politicization. There has been concern that we have seen politics injected specifically in the work of the CDC with regards to changing guidelines and stuff. Do you share those concerns about politics getting involved in in some of these decision makings or what we're learning or not learning? You know, as as a researcher and a scientist, I'm driven by the evidence And so it is disappointing to see that science is sometimes disregarded or the evidence from science is downplayed. You know, of course, there are times where we have to be cautious. And, you know, again, that gets back to transparency and being as forthright as possible about what we know and the limitations of what we know. 
but you know, it's it's very difficult to have national guidelines or recommendations for public health safety, and then have people in leadership who could be modeling behavior, um, perhaps not wearing masks or following all of the national public health guidelines. We talk, I've heard a lot of people talk about some things on the CDC website and then it's not on the CDC website. How much of the changing guidelines and recommendations do you feel is typical or atypical, maybe pushed by politics? And how much of it is, to be fair, just changing of what we understand about the virus, because this is a very fluid situation. Right. That, that's a really good point. You know, it is difficult because it is a novel coronavirus. So things have been evolving as we learn more. Um, so over the course of the, you know, since the, the pandemic has been announced in the United States, different information has been posted. I think that Unfortunately, with COVID-19, it's been politicized um, more so than other infectious diseases in recent past, like H1N1 um, wasn't politicized to this point. Zika also was not. And so there was a focus on the facts and everybody rallied around doing what was needed to protect people's health. The CDC has been the premier trusted source for public health information and preparedness for decades. And it is disheartening um, that they put up information and they they took it down. You know, I've I've read a lot of op eds um, recently about pressure from you know administration to change things. What I can tell you is, back in April, a report that was put out by the American Society of Heating, Refrigeration, Air Conditioning, and Engineers. It was ventilation guidelines, and in that report from April, they clearly gave guidance on COVID-19 and talked about the fact that airborne transmission of SARS-CoV-2 was likely and that ventilation and air conditioning systems needed to be in operation to reduce those airborne exposures. So, you know, what the CDC posted and then took down is the same kind of information that scientists um, and people in the engineering field have been talking about for months. It also is aligned with what WHO has posted about ventilation and wanting to make sure that ventilation is as robust as possible, given possible aerosolation. How concerning is it? Because I think it's one thing for obviously you're so immersed in the public health world, but and then someone like me who follows it, talks about it every day, reads a lot about it. But how concerning is it, you know, people that don't have time to, to read a lot of articles that just kind of are following it the best they can, they hear one thing on Monday, they hear a different thing on Thursday. How much more difficult does that make, you know, even for good people that want to try to follow the rules? Because I know a couple of people who I talk to and they just kind of throw their hands up and they're like, well, I'll, I'll wear the mask, but I don't know what, what I really should be doing. Yeah. And, you know, this is this is something that is a, a difficulty regardless of the health related outcome. You know, people will see in the paper one day that fatty red meat causes X cancer. And then, you know, a week later, they might see that red meat actually decreases the risk of um, of certain cancers or, you know, there, there's conflicting information. I think that there are definitely trusted sources historically for good science and evidence. The um, National Academy of Science has been doing a COVID series. That would be a good source of information. 
Also, the American Public Health Association has good information that can be trusted on the science. And that's, you know, distilled and, and available. And the CDC, while they pulled, they posted information and pulled that information again, they really truly are, should be a, a trusted source for public health information for us. There are some different studies that are happening right now. Um, there have been some early publications, actually, of studies that were looking at how we can most effectively communicate with the public not just in terms of COVID-19, but in terms of vaccines. Temple recently got a grant. One of my colleagues in social behavioral sciences will be looking at communication for COVID-19. Um, so I, I think that using some of those public health resources are, are really the best way to get information. We still have a long way to go in this pandemic, but if the reliability of an institution like the CDC for political is dinged in people's minds, how do you how concerning is that going forward, maybe for the next public health crisis? That's a difficult bell to unring, isn't it? Well, I, I think I, I'd be hopeful that that bell can be unrung. I think with again, going back to transparency and very being very clear about communications, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, others who are trained infectious disease professionals, hearing what they say will go a, a long way. I think that local and state leadership and commentary on COVID-19 has also been great in, in Philadelphia and in Pennsylvania. Philadelphia actually put in place mitigation strategies and has been, you know, doing what they can for containment strategies appropriately, given um, the spread of coronavirus back in, in the spring. But I, I think so on the local and state level, and then hopefully, you know, listening again to federal officials and perhaps having a very transparent and very emphatic message from um, the federal administration uh, about what needs to be done, where we are as a country, and taking ownership and responsibility for where we need to go to improve things. And as far as advice for the average person, as much as we talk about shifting guidelines and all that, Still wear a mask six feet and wash your hands. Are, are those still the top three bullet points on the hip parade? Yes, it, it certainly is. And just as an example, uh, you know, I and all of my department are working remotely. You know, we are doing what we can to mitigate the spread. I only leave my house if I need to go to the doctor or dentist or, you know, need something essential. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that for those of us who are in public health, while it it becomes, it's not the easiest thing, right? But it, those really are the things that need to be done religiously and ubiquitously for controlling COVID-19. And my final question, and I've talked to other people in public health, I think public health is in a unique spot because... The better job you do, the more invisible the work you do is. Yes, yes, that's very true. And it's, it's, it's this bizarre paradox. But do you feel that if there is at least one good thing that comes out of this pandemic, it has shined a light on how important 
public health is and how it needs to be funded consistently and how it needs to be talked about even when it is not in the headlines? Yes. You know, I think this pandemic has highlighted public health infrastructure issues and the fact that funding has been consistently cut over the last couple of decades or, you know, we're, we're not where we need to be for infrastructure. You know, I, I think um, an example of that is many states and jurisdictions not having the capacity to do contact tracing. You know, certain states that have better funded public health infrastructures have been doing better than others that don't. But yes, definitely, I think the uh, American public probably understand and know, for example, that an epidemiologist does not study skin, (laughs) Uh, which was something that, you know, we would hear often before. And I can tell you, too, that there is really a surge in public health interest. Our department and our Master's of Public Health program at Temple um, had the the largest enrollment in our history. We're looking at spring enrollment that is also probably going to be quite high. And to me, that is um, that is exciting. It means that we will continue to be training, you know, a really strong public health workforce for the future and for future pandemics or, you know, epidemics or outbreaks or other kinds of health-related issues. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.